Hello and welcome to your Liverpool FC podcast. I'm Andy Kelly. I'm joined by Neil Jones and by Ian Doyle. Um, this is our first podcast, unbelievably, of 2016. Uh, that's down to a load of reasons. Uh, lots of lurgy fl- uh, flying around the office, as you can probably tell in my voice. Uh, and by Liverpool's nine games in January, never done before. And uh, no two or three Echo uh, reporters have been in the same room uh, uh, in January to actually have a chat. Uh, and do this pod. So we're back. It's February, January's history. And uh, after last night's uh, events at the uh, King Park, we thought it was a good uh, time to, uh, uh, you know, touch base and see where we are with Liverpool. Jonesy, uh, you and Piercy were down there for us last night. A lot of angry Liverpool fans after the game. And uh, we were following your updates from there. And it was pretty clear... from your updates early on that you weren't expecting anything out of the game for the Reds? Yeah, um, it was... It followed a similar pattern, really, and I wrote about it and stuff that I filed, was that Liverpool have had a, a real tendency at times this season, you know, under Rodgers, but also under Klopp as well, of starting games really, really, just in the wrong manner, you know, in terms of... I think... I think Awkward is, is the word I'd use. They, they, they don't look comfortable, they don't look like they make life easy for themselves or for their teammates, and that was evident from the word go. The first thing that happened in the game last night was Leicester played the ball back at the kickoff, launched the diagonal out to Vardy against Klein. He won it in the air, Liverpool got the ball from it and just hooked, just hooked it up about knee height to one of the players, and Leicester pressed them, and that was the tone was set in the first 20 seconds. And there was a time I think I just turned to James after about five minutes and said to him, "Feels like a goal's been coming since the first whistle." And incredibly, it didn't arrive. I mean, but only because of the excellence of Simon Mignolet making a couple of saves and a couple of other situations that didn't amount to anything. But it did just feel like Liverpool starting on the back foot and never really got off it. Dorothy, uh, I mean, on the face of it, losing to the team who are three points clear at the top. Um, on their own patch isn't a terrible result um, there was some really really strong pressing from Leicester throughout the game and um, what what I thought in terms after I watched the game back was a feeling that um, there wasn't any real belief in the Liverpool team in terms of yeah we're going to come here and actually get a result and that, that Leicester wanted it more and, that, and that, that's a dangerous territory for the t- any team to be entering I, th- I think to be fair Leicester are going to want it more in every single game that they've played for the rest of this season because of the situation they're in, which is, you know, that's got nothing to do with Liverpool. But I think you're right to say that there are games, there are games now where Liverpool go onto the pitch, as Neil said, where they start and it just looks as though they don't think that they're going to get anything from it. And I think all of that comes from right at the top of the team where they're obviously wondering, how are we going to get a goal? It all comes down to that. They're not scoring enough goals. If You just have to see, you know, Jamie Vardy, and Mar is two players who've scored. I think Neil wrote, you mentioned something about Hampton. Goal yeah, which is, I think, is that more than Liverpool have got? Yeah, Liverpool, in got, 30, 30, yeah. Liverpool got you know, Them two players have scored more than Liverpool have in the entire Premier League season. Jonesy, there didn't seem to me, and when I watched the, the game back, I played devil's advocate, and actually, albeit I knew the score, and I watched the game, and I thought for, until the first goal went in for Leicester, obviously an amazing strike from Vardy. Actually, I thought Liverpool were well in the game and did, played some decent stuff. But what you what you never thought was that there was a cutting edge there. Uh, and today, we speak about it today because you know as Klopp mentioned in his press conference uh, before the game, we've got Daniel Sturridge back in training today. We've heard from the club today that he has trained 
uh, and Touchwood everything's gone okay with that. He obviously needs a few more of those before he's, uh, you know, Klopp said he's prepared to play him. But you know, uh, you can't put all your eggs in one playing basket. And we know what's happened to Liverpool when they were waiting on Sturridge, you know, at times last year. But um, it's what they need, isn't it? They, they, it's a cutting edge, and, and that's sad to say when you've got a, a striker you've paid 32 million quid for, uh, albeit he didn't set the price, but uh, you know, on the bench. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. One of the things that struck me, and you know, I, we were sat in the press box at, at the King Power in line with Leicester's back four in the second half of the game, and you're thinking that that back four is Danny Simpson, Robert Hoof, Wes Morgan, and Christian Fuchs. If you ask most top teams in the league, would you want one of them? You'd no, probably say no, no to all four, exactly. wouldn't you? And they were defending a line 40, 45 yards from their own goal because they knew there was no threat in behind them. They knew that there was no one going to run beyond them and cause them problems. Whereas, conversely, from the first whistle to the last, every ball that went in behind Liverpool's defence, it was either Vardy got to it first or the defender got to it with Vardy a yard or so away, meaning that the clearance was panicked or that the decision-making was, was affected. And that's what makes the difference is that if you've got a player who stretches you, not only does he, he make the pitch wider for you and give you more options in possession, so you're not trying to play too intricate or play you know one-twos and quick, quick passing, but you're also keeping the defenders occupied all through the game. And Earth's defenders had an easy night's work, in my opinion. Like they, didn't, they didn't have to do anything outstanding to get a clean sheet, whereas Liverpool's defenders were, were worried from the first whistle and worried enough that when eventually... They cracked, basically. They, they cracked, you know, albeit with an incredible goal, but in a very predictable manner as well. I mean, yeah. I, I have to say that one thing we can't overlook is I actually feel a little bit sorry for Klopp in the fact that you mentioned then about they need players who stretch teams in behind. Well, Liverpool actually got three strikers who do that, and all of them are injured. Because you've got you know, stories we've just mentioned. You can't forget and, Danny Ings. Danny, Danny Ings is there. Who plays the ball for them. Well, well, exactly, yeah, and Divock Origi. So you've got your most creative midfielder. Coutinho's not playing and then you've got your three strikers who can stretch. But if that's the case, then you've got Christian Benteke there, who we yeah. just mentioned, he didn't set the price, but he's 32 and a half million. So why don't you tailor the team to, to fit you know, what you've got? I mean, I don't know how you tailor a team to Christian Benteke, because I no longer know what sort of player he is. Does anyone hear that? I almost think in a way that the one player who could help him is Jordan Henderson in terms of running from midfield and getting up with him. But even he's not fully fit. So that's, again, maybe he thinks... And the people who, I mean, the people who can cross the ball... You look, Jordan Ibe isn't in particularly anyone, great. Well, I was going to say, Jordan Ibe's not in great form. Alberto Moreno may as well not be there half the time, given the form that he's been in at the moment. Brad Smith can do it, but we saw against West Ham, he's still raw. He's not yeah. quite He's not quite ready as much as, you know what, we're just as guilty as this as the fans, as everybody. It's just like someone has two good games and the next, they're the next big thing, but it doesn't work like that, as we've seen with Jordan Ibe. You know, I think, personally speaking, Ibe will make it at Liverpool. He's just going through a rough patch at the moment, but... You do wonder, as you know, as Neil and yourself have said, that there's literally you just look at the team and you just think, who's scoring here? Yeah. I mean, you scored five at Norwich, but Norwich defensively were appalling, and they gave Liverpool quite a few of those goals, to be honest. But you know, you know, played West Ham didn't look like they were going to score. Played Stoke at home in the in the League Cup semi-final never looked like they were going to score. Played last 
last night against Leicester never looked like they were going to score. It's all very well having all these shots from, you know, you look at the stats and it says, oh, 20 shots, 15 yeah. shots, but they're all from miles out and the keeper never has to make a save. Yeah. Well, I wrote a piece today basically saying it's time to forget about the Premier League, concentrate on the Europa League because that's the big prizes in terms of Champions League uh, I think, I think potential next year. I think it's maybe a bit... Points. I was going to say, uh, yeah. I think it's a little bit... There's still 14 games left. No, I know, yeah. but I think it's this is a, a team... too early to, to chuck the Premier League in. No, this is a team that can't that can't go on a run and it can't go on a run because if you're on a run sometimes you need you need a striker in form who's just going to get you one just just because he gets one because he's on his run or you need some cheap goals offset pieces and 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 the problem is Liverpool for all their problems defensively against set pieces never looked like they'll score from a corner now it's been a you know it's been a moan from Liverpool fans for years and you know we've had you know it's probably not been true all the time but you look at I think you looked at the corners in your analysis last night, Jonesy, and what was it, twelve corners I think? They took, and they clearly decided we can't win a header against Morgan and Huth, we're gonna take them short. There were some that looked like they might come off, then they went to, to bits and, and it you know, there's, there's there's no threat from what should be providing a reasonable chunk of your goals. I was gonna say the great sorry, sorry, the, the, the great myth is that you know, we can't win a header against Morgan and Huth. Well, Half the time when you when you're taking corners, you're not really aiming for anyone in particular. You're just putting it in there, and you've got yeah. you've got to take the chance. And Liverpool just don't want to do that. And as Jonesy rightly, po- rightly pointed out, they man mark, so you run those two into into an area and put the ball in somewhere different. You know that's what you've got to do. Uh, and it was really disappointing that there didn't seem to be a method to it. Yeah, to the last two goals from corners. What, the last one he scored was against Southampton in the League Cup, and it was a corner cleared, and Moreno fired it back in, and Amini sort of tapped it in. And then the one before that was Skirtle and City, which was much the same. It wasn't the first ball one, it was a drop. So, scoring from corners isn't about perfect delivery and meeting it with a bullet header. It's about putting the ball in and competing for it, and then filling gaps around the penalty. And seeing what drops for you. For well, that, you that's know. what you like seeing your West Brom and yeah. under Sam Allardyce Bolton in the old days. It was the, that's why it's called the percentage game. Isn't well, you, you, it? you look at the West Brom equaliser last night. More chance of scoring if it's in the box. The West Brom equaliser, I think, had about three efforts within the six-yard box. And finally, in the in the 96th minute, or whatever, they got it across the line, and that was classic. You know, Pulis team knew how to and, do and it. it. I mean, a lot of you know, some managers sneer at it. I don't think Jurgen Klopp is one who does sneer at it in the slightest. You know, in terms of the way that the way that I don't think he sees it as a, a poor a poor way of scoring or a, a bad goal to score. Roberto Martinez is one is a manager who doesn't seem to like the idea of setting your team up to score set piece goal, but. Liverpool are so bad at them. It's it's worrying because I think I think he described after the game game was it when he said it was a self fulfilling prophecy. Norwich, which is spot on. You know, for somebody who doesn't who claims his English isn't great, he's got yeah. the exact right turn because every time the ball goes out for an opposition corner, you think chance, chance, and every time it goes out for the Liverpool corner, you think. He, you know what? You'd actually say, why don't you just take the goal kick? Well, I was going to say, every, every time Liverpool get a corner, I normally say that this is a chance for the opposition because yes. they'll stick everybody up and then they'll catch them on the break. Absolutely. Um, just moving away from set pieces, what do we think about the clear cop strategy last night? And it's probably you know one off for the for the opponent, but to play Henderson and Milner wide, presumably try and stop the the wide threat from Leicester, and move them towards the other end of the pitch. Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, well, Jürgen actually addressed that a little bit in his, his post-match. He didn't say much after the game, but he sort of he sort of said that the way that Leicester defend is very um, is very much a high press and and 
you know, they try and win the ball back in, in your third. So you need to go via the wings. And I think what he was hoping was that he'd have experienced and sort of reliable players in the wide area. To make the right to decision. To make the right decision. And unfortunately, you know, Jordan Henderson, as much as, as much as I'm a big fan of his, he had a nightmare last night. He, he, he looked... He looked off the pace. He looked like he was troubled by his by his injury, but he also he also had a bad game, you know, which 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 can happen. James Milner was was just what James Milner has been for most of the season, really, where he, he had a lot of endeavour and he, he sort of he done the occasional good thing, but technically I think he was let down a few times by his touch and by his his, his final pass. So it didn't work in that respect, and I do think that. In hindsight, it looks a backward step because I think Leicester's midfield absolutely dominated Liverpool's in terms of their their snap and getting to the ball first and things like that. So you took out two players who maybe could have helped in that respect and put them out wide where they didn't he didn't have an influence on the game. I'd like to point out as well that Liverpool did beat Leicester about four weeks ago, didn't they? Yeah, football football yeah. is that sort of situation where I mean, it was a tight game at Anfield, wasn't it? Won by a sort of. Uh, you know, Christian Benteke sticking his leg out at the right time. <laughs> well, that's but it, that's yeah, what you want. That's what a striker does. Yeah. Which is why, as much as he's not quite in form, you've just got to, he's, he should play as far as I'm concerned. He's got Benteke. to play now. He's got to play. It's I, as simple I, as that. I think we've got past the point where you, you can't rely on, as, as well as he's done in certain games, you can't rely on Firmino as you forward. Because the one thing I, I'm, you know, I, I hate to sound like I'm trying to trying to compare myself to professional football, but I always look when I'm at the game and I think, okay, if I was playing right back for Liverpool or centre midfield for Liverpool, what would I be? How would I be playing this game? And it looked last night when Nathaniel Klein had the ball, when Lucas had the ball, it looked like it'd be hard to play in the game because it'd be hard to find a Liverpool player who could do anything with it. So it was like. Lalana and Firmino were trying to sort of link the play, but they just weren't able to do it because they didn't have the speed to stretch the game and they didn't have the sort of the touch to hold it up and things like that or the strength. So it looked like a hard game for, for Liverpool to, to get anything out of. And I, 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 as Ian says, you might not be playing well, but there's just something about being able that if you're having a bit of a tough time to, to just ping it up to someone and work off them. And Liverpool didn't have that luxury with Firmino. Dorley, we've got Sunderland coming on Saturday, a 3 pm Saturday kickoff, hurrah. And uh, the. Um, What's one of them? <laughs> uh, ben obviously got the winner off at uh, Stadium of Light. He did, I think. Yeah, so was and, um, uh, it was I think it's probably. I think, as John said, time. Maybe you said time to throw him back in there, isn't it? Well, who's the manager of Sunderland? Well, we know our, our oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping Andy would tell Yeah, our friend, our friend, yeah. Mr. Alan Dice, yeah. yes. So obviously there was a bit of afters with him and Klopp after the. Uh, oh, it was just a I bit think. of nothing. Yeah, there was a bit, bit of nothing, wasn't it? But, um, you know, would you be tempted now? I'll tell you who I thought the game was crying out for last night. I know I'm a bit of an advocate for him, but I thought it really needed a flano tackle in, early in the game last night. It would have it would have set a different tone for, you, for you, Liverpool. You know he's not played for a while and he's not going to play every game, don't you? No, but he, he, he played, you know, what was 105 minutes in the, in the semi-final. I appreciate why they're taking it slowly with him, but I'd be astonished in a, in a hard team that's coming in, Sunderland, that Flano's not in the starting lineup at Anfield on Saturday. I think a lot of that will depend on how, how much he... How seriously, sorry, he treats the game. West Ham on the Tuesday, isn't it? West Ham in the cup replay. And I think, you know, let's face it, the, the younger second team, as it were, 
is getting better results than the actual senior one. So, yeah. where, where would you play Klein? Would you play him on the right or on I'd, the left? I'd, I'd play him left back left. because I think I'd play him um, left back as well. I, I didn't think Klein's been great, and I think when he gets to a certain, it's almost it's not as bad as Moreno on the other side, who seems to get more space. But Klein, I think, is better defensively, but easily than Moreno. I think anyone would tell you that. But I think he needs to improve going forward. Yeah. Maybe look for more one-twos and give and goes around the box. Klein, he's not given us that, which he did give uh, Southampton really since he's come. He's, he's done it a few times. But um, I think uh, I, I know it's difficult to ask him when he's still coming back to go and play left back, which you know isn't his natural position. But he's played there enough times, and I just think a back four that has Klein at right back and Flano at left back is a good solid base to go from. And I think. He just sets a better tone. I think also to play him at Anfield, I think he gets the crowd right behind him. Mm. Doyle, you know, if you play Flano, it just gives the crowd that impetus, I think. Well, well they're going to need the crowd on the side because Liverpool's record at home has just been, the last 18 months, we've written about this time and time and time again. It's just nowhere near good enough. Nowhere near good enough. And they need, they need, they need, whoever it's against, a nice, straightforward 2 3 3 0 win. I'm not saying it's going to come on Saturday, but the difference that could make. It should be interesting to look at the stats for how many games Liverpool have won by well, won't, more than a single goal yeah. because they just they feel I've been to a fair few of them and you, you've been to pretty much everyone yeah. in, you've been to an awful lot as well this week yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it feels like every game before the game everyone thinks oh, it's going to be a tough one today yeah. and then it is and Liverpool get a 1-0 or a 2-1 or a, a draw that you don't expect to get. And, and why is that? Well, because you can't score goals. Exactly, and that breaks us and right this back is to what we've, we've, But the thing is, everybody knows this. Klopp knows this, and he can't do anything about it because he's not going to spend a load of money on Tashira basically, to come in and do that when he knows quite well. OK, £50 million, pounds, yeah. whatever it was, he's not worth and that. And let's be fair as well. Let, let this, if Liverpool had Tashira last night, there's no guarantee that they'd have just blown Leicester away. You know, this, this is a guy who... Roberto Firmino is Alex Teixeira, you know, somewhere, isn't he? You know, that, that was what Roberto Firmino was brought in to apparently do, and he can't do it yet. He's still adapting to the league. So the idea that you'd sign Alex Teixeira and all of a sudden everything is cured it is, is yeah. unfair on the player and also on, on yourself. But this, this lack of goals, though, I refer you to my earlier point, gentlemen, and which is that this Liverpool... You made a point. But this, point this Liverpool team isn't capable of going on a run. It's too... Um, it's score. too inconsistent yeah. because we don't get those cheap goals and this is why it comes down to what do we do with the Premier League now and so we've got a choice we've got the Premier League on Saturday and we've got the West Ham a very tricky difficult you know West Ham probably going to that game as favourites uh, West Ham replay in the FA Cup and the difficult bit is who are the players you want to save for the more important game because some of the younger ones have been more impressive recently and then which game do you think is the more important uh, that you want to save those players for anyway so for me the most important game is the West Ham game and therefore you want to save your better players for that at this stage I'm just not sure whether that includes at least two or three of the younger lads who've been playing in the so-called cup team uh, rather than some of the ones we've seen disappoint time and time again okay now you tell me who are Liverpool's better players on the be- form. The- we know who they are in terms of the prestige and how much they cost and who the internationals are. Sorry, if you, if who you, are the if best you're players? saying who are Liverpool's best players, I'd say Jordan Henderson is one that needs to be available for the bigger games, the more important games. I would suggest that James Milner. I mean, I'd always, yeah, I'd always play Milner, yeah. I yeah. think Klein has to play, he's your right back. Mignolet is going to play pretty much every game. He's your best goalkeeper at this stage. Yeah. I would also suggest that 
Firmino needs to be available for the games that you want. Yep. Yeah. Most if he was fit, Coutinho would be yeah, on yeah, the t- on the team. For all that he was in- inconsistent himself before he got injured, yeah. you know, point there. And this is the difficulty. From then on, you're sort of popping people in, aren't you? Because they're all much of a muchness. You, Lalana or I, you know, yeah. uh, neither of them setting the world on fire. Neither likely to massively get your goal or an assist at this at this stage. Um, who do we think then from the from the cup team is is trust? can be trusted to go into the league team Brannigan absolutely Brannigan hasn't well I think Ojo it certainly has a good 20 minute 25 yeah. minutes so I mean he's got game. pace to burn I'm sure you can say Ojo because he's the one that's played the least out of all of them we've seen but, less of him I know he's a good but, impact he gives you he's he gives you something he's different he's not going to start he's not going to start no, no he's, not, he's going to be on the bench but I mean Ojo on the bench then say a cut another defender a Randall and a and a Flanagan yeah. on, the, on the same bench yeah. and he, he, he wants to grasp his opportunity you can see the confidence surging through the lab from the not only you know his time away on loan but also coming back you know getting that goal at Anfield it was an absolute peach I mean a lovely little nine iron top corner lovely <laughs> and it was absolutely sweet and you know this time a year ago I was watching him in the, you know in the youth cup Ojo playing both sides one of the stars of the team and you always felt that he, he had a real chance and I think Klopp's spoken about him in such terms that it's only about it's not about that he doesn't think he's good enough to play in the team. It's about making sure that that um, progress through is done in the best possible way for him and Liverpool. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, th- I, I, I think with the youngsters as well, it's always convincing his teammates whether they think he's good enough as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's always it. when you've got the trust of your teammates. I'll tell you who surprised me in terms of you know, Jonesy asked the question of the young one. Brannigan thinks absolute certainty he looks like well, he can play Brannigan Premier League Brannigan football. Brannigan purely for set pieces. Yeah, yeah lovely, delivery. Yeah, delivery. lovely delivery. Lovely delivery. Who's the one that surprised uh, you? Kevin Stewart yeah, surprised say, me. I was going to say exactly because I know Kevin Stewart was one I watched for the under twenty ones a lot, and I always thought he was functional, but not not you know I, I, there was no no disrespect to him. I never thought that yeah I see him as being a Liverpool yeah. uh, player. I'm not sure I, I do even now. But what I will say is that when he's played at Anfield, he's let nobody down. Yeah. He's got stuck in, and he's offered he's offered a physical presence in the middle of the park. Well, we, we were, before we came to do the podcast here, yeah, we were talking in the office about the drop off between your first pick and your second pick <coughs> in terms of we talking about Tottenham. We're saying that I, in my opinion, Tottenham have probably got the closest other than Man City in terms of if you take someone out of Tottenham's team and put someone else in you don't lose that much quality regardless of whether the quality is as high as Man City's or Man United's or whatever but that was one thing I noticed on Saturday is that if you had Lucas playing instead of Kevin Stewart on Saturday I don't think the difference would have been particularly high no. and I don't think that if you took Lucas out last night and put Kevin Stewart in I don't think the difference would have been that so that's that's a sort of I think that is quite, a, quite an important target to have in terms of that you might not have a great player to come in but as long as he, the difference isn't massive between the two, yeah. I think it's, it, it's workable. Yeah, we should mention Ryan Kent. Uh, he, he obviously got a run out of Exeter, hasn't really been seen since. Piercy's had a good chat with him this week, yeah. which is coming up on the Echo website later uh, in the week ahead of uh, the youth team playing at uh, the under 21s playing at Anfield on, uh, on Sunday. So, um, you know, Ryan Kent is one who's definitely still got a chance, and I think he's someone who you know, has got his head screwed on. I think he really wants to grasp his opportunity as well. Because I think a lot of it is down to 
mentality and your confidence and your poise. I go back to this word poise and I think it's one of the things that Flano shows a lot and some of the things some of the younger lads have shown, just the ability to get on the ball and do the right yeah. thing and do simple things. And the thing as well, if you look at some of the younger players, so you look at Odd Joe especially, I, when he came back last season, they've played in front of crowds. Yeah. They're not just used to nice academy football where Liverpool are expected to play a certain way and it doesn't really matter if you get beat because you, you, you're developing. They've been, they're used to, Kent's played at Coventry, Ojo's played at Wolves, which is a very demanding yeah. place. Wolves, you know, seen as a sleeping giant really in the Championship almost, you know, yeah, comatose average height human yeah. being. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, so you yeah. basically. Yeah, 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 if you like. But no, I mean they that they're used to Ojo playing on the wing, having, you know, season ticket holders at Molyneux saying, Come on, lad, you know, you've come from Liverpool, show us what you've got and, and I think you can see that in the two games he, he played against Exeter that he knows that look, you know, I'm 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 here to I can take a bit of this on my shoulders, you know, yeah. his massive shoulders, his massive 18-year-old shoulders. <laughs> but, but, and I think that's a benefit, and, and I know Klopp's not a big fan of the loan system or the idea of sending talents out on loan, but that's what you get from them. You get the idea of playing for points and playing for prestige and playing for people, yeah. fans. Well, Sergi Camos is getting it most weeks yeah. down at Brentford. Yeah. You know, yeah. they I think they get, what? Well, not sure what their crowd is, but certainly about 10,000, I think. Yeah. And well, then, of course, when you, when you go ahead. Coventry, yeah. Coventry from Sunderland and said, he grew up, he went down to Coventry, learned about living on his own and cooking and things like that and making sure you know you look after your independence. And then and then all of a sudden, wow, you know, okay, if we get beat, I'm gonna get it because you know I'm I'm expected to win and that it all makes a difference. I think what you mentioned then about Klopp not a fan of the loan system, I think he might end up changing his mind on that to be honest. I think it's one of several things where he's come into England and thought, right, I think this and he's kind of having to change his mentality a little bit. I think that's just one of the things. Yeah. Not, I, least, not least than playing about 15 million games as well a season. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. On the wind. Um, let's <laughs> move on. I think there was, there was two reasons why I think there was extra anger among the fans and disappointment extra last night. Extra anger? Do you mean there was more anger than normal? Yeah, well, I think there was because to, to, more anger to defeat. And I think one was because I think it was sort of the end. For me, I think for most people, it was the feeling like, Top four was definitely gone because if you beat Leicester, you're just putting yourself back in the mix. The other thing was, I think, that it coincided obviously with the ticket price announcement mm. from the club. Uh, with hindsight, I think there's probably not a worse day they could have uh, announced <laughs> the, the ticket prices, but just, just oh, yeah. after the transfer, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we bought nobody and we got beat, but uh, yeah, pay us oh, a bit more. Seven pounds for that, yes. Look, we should, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a subject which creates fevered opinions um, we can only give our own Ian Eyre gave a, a detailed interview to the Echo explaining uh, the rationale behind it there was good things in there which I think everybody has welcomed in terms of priority for some local fans 20,000 I think a season which is about 1,000 a game uh, and also some uh, cheaper tickets um, for seven, half price tickets for 17-21 year olds uh, about 1,000 of them a game which again good news uh, uh, and also some some uh, very cheap tickets uh, down to nine quid. Uh, but of course, if you look at the detail of it, I think that amounted to three three games a season for 500 tickets. Uh, and for other category games, you know, it was up to 14 quid and then 36 quid again. Um, the club pointed out that you know, for more than 50% of fans, their season ticket price was going down uh, or staying the same. And, uh, and pretty much almost the same, I think it's 46% or something for match day tickets. But 
<coughs> when it all came down to it, when you looked at it, the club is making, um, with the extra seats in the ground, they're making an extra two million a year from it. And with the new prices, they're going to make another two million on top of that. So they are taking more money off Liverpool fans. You can't get away from that. And Jonesy, I think that was the disappointment uh, from a lot of people yesterday in the sense that they felt it was unnecessary this time. Let, let, me, um, let me nail my colours to the mast immediately so I can declare my interest. I'm not, I'm not militant, I'm not sort of, you know, um, completely anti the club or anything like that, but I 100% agree with the sentiment expressed by Spirit of Shankly in the Echoes interview with them about a missed opportunity. And that is what it comes down to me, is that the word you just used there is unnecessary, you said, and it's not going to change Liverpool's world, these ticket price increases. It's not the difference between 7th and 4th what you make on tickets. It just isn't. We, we, we see that in the Deloitte list. We see that your match day revenue yeah, matters, but your commercial revenue matters more and your, and your, your broadcast revenue matters the most. Yeah. Your match day revenue, not even uh, including hospitality, is 20% at the minute and yeah. falling. Yeah, and falling. And falling. So it matters what you make from broadcast, what you make from your, your performance of your merchandise and your commercial aspect. So to me, I think Liverpool had a chance to re-engage their fan base and convince people. I, I mean, I wrote a piece when they had, we had a bit of a storm about the exit of Cup tie on the Friday, and I, I, I stand by it. And you know, it, it, nothing happened from it, obviously. And not that I actually expected much to happen from it, but I said that Liverpool had a chance to, to give free coaches or even free tickets, give give a little bit of um, a little bit back to the fans who are going to go to Sunderland, they're going to go to West Ham, and they're going to go to Exeter, and then sorry Stoke, and then Exeter in, in nine days. They didn't do it. They they sent out a press release saying that they put on coaches at I think that the phrase used was cost price, yeah. and and that was that was it. You know that was all they did. So for me. It's no surprise that they missed this opportunity, but I think they'll regret it in the long term because I think they're, they're running a serious risk of, of diluting one of their biggest selling points. Yeah. I think in a situation like this, I think everyone accepts that there's a big stand being built and it looks great. You're going to have to pay for it. These things just don't go for nothing. And that there are winners and losers in terms of the ticket prices. But the problem with certainly some fans that I've spoken to, people I know personally, is that the winners who've won are by a very marginal amount. Yeah. And yeah. the people who've lost, while the number is actually, there's not a lot, not a massive amount of people, but they've lost by an awful amount, an awful, you know, a, a massive amount. I mean, some yeah. people's season tickets, people who've been going for years are now considering not going anymore because what they thought were, were decent seats, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say it's in the paddock on the halfway line, people who I know who go to the games, that they're get, getting asked to pay, they were already paying top the, the, the top season ticket price, now they're going to pay another extra £160 pounds for tickets that may be moved anyway because of the reconfiguration of, of, of the stadium so they're a bit upset the fact that their loyalty is not being repaid I mean Liverpool have said that we'll rehouse them we'll put them somewhere else but I think everybody knows if you want to pay the equivalent of that season ticket you're then going to go and sit up on the yes. new main stand up from sitting right by the dugout right by the pitch you know you're as you're far away as ever can and I think this is the worry is the fact that they want a new generation of fans, which is fair enough, you know, they've got these initiatives. That, that, that's exactly, that's the right thing to do. But they are in danger of alienating people because irrespective of what club you support, irrespective of where you sat in the ground, 
£77 to watch a Premier League team in the North West for a ticket that is not hospitality and does not have any kind of extra special treatment yeah. than somebody who's sat in any other part of the ground. You know, it's it totally, it's, it, it, it's, it's, 77 pound is an awful lot of money. And if you're trying to take a family, it's ridiculous. And, and, and let's, let's, let's point out as well that Liverpool have traded off their past history. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going down that route too deep, but Liverpool, if you want success, if you're starting out in football now and you want a guaranteed success if you're going to follow, you're not going to, you're not necessarily going to pick Liverpool unless you look back into the, the 80s. 17. So it's not a guarantee. You're not you're not going guaranteed to see the best football in the league and and something at the end of the season. So there has to be something yeah. else for you. So there has there has to be something back. And and also I think it puts pressure on the club to to succeed because if they haven't got that fan base and they haven't got the success, they're just they're just another club. They're just, yeah. They're just yeah. This is this is where I come in, George. This is where I come in because for me they obviously people who come once every so often are obviously of more value to the club yeah. we know they are because they'll pay a higher price for a ticket they'll go to the club shop they'll go to um, the boot room cafe yeah. and everything yeah. else they're and more immediate value yes yeah they're yeah. of more yeah. immediate yeah. sorry I don't uh, yeah absolutely yeah. I'm yeah. talking on a pure financial one game we yeah. know they're worth more to the club and they want to encourage those people and you can understand that and I, I wouldn't sit here and, and say that you know um, that, that in any way those people should be discouraged but those people are coming for an experience at Anfield and this is what's often pointed out by the likes of SOS and stuff that, that the fans support is part of what Liverpool market themselves are and it is part of what Liverpool are now what you're doing in terms of the way you're effectively manipulating who are the people in the ground because in charging those much we know the people who will be priced out and it's the younger people now you can say you've put in a couple of initiatives for the younger but we know 20,000 tickets against I think it's 879,000 they sell uh, in league games in the season that was a Jay McKenna stat to me so you can see what, a, what a, from SOS you can see what a percentage that is it's a very small percentage so you've got to try and maintain we all know that Anfield's atmosphere isn't what it was but it can come back again and the, 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 the things that can happen is it's still, you know, on, on, on loads of games it's still pretty decent, we should say. And some games it's really good. And, you know, we want that. And the people who are travelling from far and wide, maybe to just have one game a season at Liverpool or maybe once every five years, or it might be just their lifetime one game, they're coming for that experience. And if you just decide to milk supporters for every penny, what you will create is not what those supporters are coming for. Yeah. Absolutely, and so the balance is wrong. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, look at the look at the clubs that you would say you would go for an experience to watch them. So you'd look at Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, maybe in in, in Germany, AC Manchester Milan. United, AC Milan. AC Milan. It's a big stadium, yeah. With San Siro, maybe. Um, Liverpool. Yeah, but we're short of all end clubs in terms of recent success, quality of the current team now. Maybe not Milan, but. Yeah. The stadium, the size of the stadium. Uh, I know I had to work on that. So, so what's what you're going to see Liverpool for? You're going to see Liverpool for the cop. Yeah. And, and the the, the you never walk alone and the scarves and that yeah. sort of thing. And I mean, well, to be fair to the club in that respect, they, they haven't changed the season ticket prices at the cop or the, the price at the cop really. So they're keeping that. Yeah. They're keeping them. Yeah. That, that section of the crowd. But, but, yeah, you're going to get but you can't but leave it to the but, cop. One but, of the things that's you know, been good you know, in recent you know, weeks is the whole stadium's well, got involved. It. You know the way, certainly the way when, 
when I was brought up is that people they started on the cop and then when they yeah. got a bit older they kind of moved around yeah, to other parts of the stadium came in at the main stand when you got a bit older it's almost as though certain sections they're just saying well you're expected to be this age and we reckon you've probably got that much money so you can pay this amount of money to, yeah. to, to go and watch the club I think as you've said it's all about well, balance I was, really what I was, the point I was going to eventually get to I was, I was going to go off on a, on a tangent <laughs> <laughs> but the point I was going to get to is that eventually the people who are going for Liverpool for an experience will go I'll tell you what Chelsea is as good an experience as going to watch Liverpool because they've got the shed ends and I'm going to I don't know you know maybe not the Etihad maybe that's a poor example but you know I'll go, I'll go to the Emirates I'll go and watch Arsenal fine you know I'll, I'll go and watch Tottenham Tottenham are doing quite well now Leicester Leicester yeah. have suddenly come up and got a nice new stadium so Liverpool's name as much as it's world-renowned, it won't last forever. It won't. And this is where the ownership, I think, have to remember that they had not, this word, opportunity to be different and yeah, to, yeah. for Liverpool and to lead. And like to, Dortmund and like some yeah. of the Bundesliga And for that. Liverpool, and this is where SOS, Jay McKenna's phrase to me yesterday when I was chatting to him was, Liverpool had the opportunity to make less from fans. They decided to make more. And that's, that. for me, end of story. Yeah. We might as well just... You know, put it on the wall and, and go for a pint because that, that that's it. Draw a line yeah, under it. Okay, here's, here's a question for you then. As I mentioned before, you got £77, right? For a start, how many football teams in the world would you pay for a ticket in just a normal league game to watch? How many how many teams would you pay to watch? And I don't necessarily mean what the form is now. Who, who would you go and watch? It's going I wouldn't do it unless it was abroad. Well, yeah, because yeah. that's an experience then. It's not yeah, just the I, game, I is it? Do, and I, wouldn't, yeah. I would do it maybe... Barcelona, Real Madrid. I, I paid I paid seventy three quid uh, a few years ago to see Real Madrid, yeah. and it was Real Madrid Valencia, I think, and uh, you know didn't 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 regret it because you know I was over there with yeah. some friends, we all got in and had a, had a great time at the game. But you know I've been to Barcelona loads. You've just, hang, before I yeah. start to interrupt you, you've just hit the nail on the head there because you've just said that you went abroad and went and paid seventy three pounds to go and watch Real Madrid. So the people are going to come over to Anfield yeah, these are the, and go into pay no, £77 pounds they to will, because what? Because I don't expect these the tickets, tickets to go unsold. Yeah, I think these tickets will sell. The, the equivalent I'm saying is he didn't go over and pay £77 pounds to watch Getafe or Villarreal or Sevilla. He went to watch Real Madrid because yeah. the top, because it's a Bernabeu, it's, it's 90,000 stadium, it's the best players in the world, you know, playing the best, some of the best football in the world and it's, it's a great experience. If Liverpool haven't got some of them things, they haven't got the best players in the world, not challenging for trophies, and they're not necessarily the best stadium in the world yet. Hopefully, it'll, it'll be a lot better yeah. you know, in, in a year, two years' time. So, I'll end this by saying this has to come down to the bottom line on the balance sheet. That's the only reason they can say. I think they, want, they wanted to make 39 million out of match day revenues. Uh, that doesn't include hospitality, and they were going to get there somewhere. That seemed to be the, the figure they were starting from. So it has to come down to the bottom line on the balance sheet. And if you're looking to improve your bottom line on the balance sheet, there's usually only one reason you're looking to improve your bottom line on the balance sheet, and that is because you're looking to sell the asset. Uh, whether FSG uh, have a desire, they've always said you know, it's not on the table at the moment, but they never rule anything out. And, uh, and for me, the announcement yesterday, I firmly believe, was a step towards them maximising an asset which at some point in the next few years they'll be keen to sell on. Well, to be honest, but that's that's sensible. That's sensible. That's sensible. I mean, I don't really have a problem with that because we know quite well that they're not in it. If they were in it for the long haul, they'd have come in years ago. You know what I mean? 
it, it doesn't work like that. We have to be sensible. It's football. It's got so much money in it that there are you're either in it for your own. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say ego, but that's not what I mean with the likes of Abramovich and Sheikh Mansour. They're, they're, they're not. You've it's not an ego. Money. You've got yeah, more money than you know. Yeah, <laughs> they basically they do it because they want it. Whereas I don't think Fenway Sports Group are doing it because they particularly. Yeah, they're doing it. They're doing it as well. It's good for their image. It's good for their image. But and someone that's good for their image. But they bought Liverpool for what? Two hundred ninety-four million. Yeah, and almost three hundred, wasn't well, it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's have a conservative estimate of what Liverpool's worth now. It's just yeah, double. Uh, double. It's double and a bit. It's double, about yeah. six hundred. I think it's six hundred. A conservative estimate of what it'd be worth when it's a sixty thousand seater Anfield, and if by hook or by crook they can get them back. Winning a trophy and in the Champions League, you're talking. You're talking. In, yeah. in, 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 in house terms, what they've done is effectively either added an extra bedroom yeah. or yeah. popped on a nice conservatory <laughs> yeah. at the back. Yeah. And essentially, both those things add value to your house. And what they've done is they've added value to their house. Yeah. And their house is our house. Yeah. And um, they're evicting some people who live there. <laughs> with the rent potentially yeah. well we better leave it on that note I've had a I've had a text from uh, James Pierce asking can we pick him up at the Moorway services uh, as he trolls the Moorways of England um, this has been our first Liverpool FC podcast of the year you should get one at least one a week from now on apologies uh, for not being with you in January uh, thanks for listening uh, up the Reds Tele 2, de Huawei P20. Omdat het kan. Voor een genadeloos lage prijs. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Ik